It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Justification. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, November 15th, 2021. Hope everyone had a good weekend because we're back. You are justified in listening to this show today because we're going to talk about some lawsuits. Lawsuits are good, right? Every time you feel you've been wronged, you can use the legal system to right yourself. doesn't always work, though. And if you don't have deep enough pockets, you're not going to win anyway. But it's worth trying. Justification is what you think you need in order to file a lawsuit. John Gruden, the coach, erstwhile coach of the erstwhile Oakland Raiders, that's a double erstwhile on a random Monday morning, filed the lawsuit against the NFL and Roger Goodell this past weekend. I want to tell you what happens when you have a lawsuit filed against you. You get served. So someone come, come and knock on my door. I've been waiting for you. That's a 1970s and 80s TV reference, Coca, just in case. By the way, Coca's back. He was on a one-day sabbatical. I got a bunch of DMs at David P. Sampson, people actually thinking that Coca had resigned because the Dolphins beat the Ravens. Coca can't get enough of all of you and nothing personal. He would never resign. Never say never, but never, especially when he's going to Europe here soon. A month from today, Matthew Coca will be in Europe. I think he's going to be in London first. He's going to London and Paris. Maybe it's Paris, then London. I can't remember which. God, I hope he has fun. So what happens is you get a knock on your door, and there is a man, woman, he, her, they, them, who has a piece of paper in an envelope, sometimes multiple pieces of paper. Excuse me, is Roger Goodell home today? Uh, No. Well, could you please give this to Mr. Goodell? You have officially been served. The best service processor. That's not the name. It's Monday morning, and I can't think of the name. A service processor. That's not it. Come on, Coca. Anyway, the the best one ever on film was Seth Rogen in Pineapple Express. That's what he did. He would deliver lawsuits to people. So basically, you make sure you've got the right person. You drop the lawsuit off. So I've been served. Who hasn't? If you've been in the business world, you've been served. So you get the envelope, you open it up, and this is Roger Goodell opening up his envelope. He opens it, he looks, and it says, John Gruden v. NFL and Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell puts it back in the envelope, calls up his general counsel, and says, hey, take care of this. We'll meet about it later. I don't want to think about it today. 
What was John Gruden doing and thinking when he filed this lawsuit? And why was I so wrong about this situation? Let's answer that. Second question first. On November 1st, that's only two weeks ago, when there were rumors of a John Gruden lawsuit. Well, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. My view was he's not going to file this lawsuit because there should have been a release that was given to Roger Goodell and the NFL and the Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders upon the agreement to pay Gruden whatever amount of his salary was left, his contract. Remember, he signed that huge contract. A release would mean that he cannot sue anybody. So I said, wait to see, which is a segment we do on Nothing Personal, for those of you new to the show, where we tell you something's going to happen. And if it happens, we revisit it and say it happened. If it doesn't happen, we also revisit it because we don't want to be that show. We're not that show. After 400, this is episode 485. We are not the type of show that will just ignore our mistakes. We embrace them. We acknowledge them. So on November 1st, I said, John Gruden will not sue the NFL. Guess what? I was wrong. And I'm shocked that I was wrong because what it means is that when John Gruden signed a separation agreement from the Las Vegas Raiders, that separation agreement did not include the clause which would stop him from suing Roger Goodell in the NFL. And he's suing. What do you want? When you sue somebody, what's the object of the game in your mind? Let's talk about different reasons why people sue each other. You've been wronged. You were promised something that was not given to you and you feel wronged and you want to legally make that person perform the promise they made. The promise comes in the form of a contract. I can't promise I'm going to take you to the movies. And if I don't take you to the movies, you can't sue me. I promise you, Coca, you're going to Europe. If all of a sudden the plane tickets are rescinded, he goes to the hotel and there's no reservation and he's stuck in Europe at a hostel, not that there's anything wrong with that, he can't sue me and say, hey, you promised. I'll find you. So... You have an agreement that you're supposed to do something in return for what you've, you do, you're supposed to get something. When you do what you're supposed to do and the other side doesn't do what they're supposed to do, you can sue because of that. I own something that you don't. And then you start acting like you own it. That is another grounds for a lawsuit. I own nothing personal with David Sampson. If you have a show that's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson with the same logo and you're not David Sampson, I can sue you for infringing upon my intellectual property. It just means that if it's not yours, you can't pretend it is. And if I want to enforce that, I can sue you. What's another reason you can sue someone? You can sue to end a marriage, you can sue to end a partnership, break up a legally bound relationship. I'm suing you for divorce or I'm suing you to, because you're not acting like a great partner that you thought that I thought you'd be. So there's all sorts of different causes of action. 
you slipped and fell on my proper on the property and I'm suing the owner of the property because I wouldn't have expected to have happened to me what happened to me. That's another big area of lawsuits. Who would have thought that I would get hit by a foul ball in a major league ballpark? Who would think such a thing? I'm going to sue you. I didn't expect you to change lanes when there was a solid yellow line, but you did, and my car got smashed. I'm suing you for damages. The reason why you sue, either it's for specific performance or for damages. Edit that out, Coco. That was awfully, awfully Monday-ish. Daddy. I do these vocal exercises before I start a show. Before we get on the air, I sort of stretch my mouth. If you're watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, I do, I do this. Where I, where I make my mouth big, horizontally, big vertically, and then I practice some sounds. Vowels, consonants, me, me, my, me, hi. And then I go over the names of the show, Gruden. I'll talk about, I'll say the names that I'm going to talk about. Seeger, Cronky. So start, start over. Ready? Four, six, nine. When you sue somebody, there's two things that generally you want. One of two is what you can get. Something called specific performance or money. Specific A1269. Specific performance is when you actually want the thing you were promised and not money. You said that you would sell me that house. You can't change your mind. We have a contract. Here's what I'm suing you for. I want the house. You promised you'd sell me your car. Give me that car. You promised that you would make chips to put inside the computers that I'm manufacturing in China. You're not making the chips. I don't want the damages from the unsold computers that have no chips. I want the damn chips. Give me those blue corn tortillas. Or you want money. Money is when you say, what you did to me cannot be changed. It can't be replaced, so you're going to pay for it. You took away my right to have kids when you botched the surgery and you gave me a hysterectomy instead of fixing my ACL. Give me money. Pain and suffering. Un inability to have coital relations with my spouse. You come up with all sorts of things. Anguish. And then you figure that that's worth a million, five million. How much anguish was there? How much pain was there when you thought you were going to die, you didn't die, now you're alive, and you feel like crap that you're alive because you feel guilty that other people around you died. What's that worth? So then you litigate to come up with a dollar amount. That's just money. Now we're just negotiating. In my experience as a lawyer, never practiced. In my experience in business, still practicing. Those are the two main categories. And I always would lean toward money. Because at the end of the day, every lawsuit I've been involved in, and there have been a plethora, has always just been about money. So John Gruden decides he's going to sue the NFL and then releases a statement. And it got me thinking. 
What's John Gruden doing? Is there a third category that I haven't considered? Is there a third category that's reasonable, but actually silly and should be legislated away? His lawyers came out with a statement. John Gruden has filed suit against the NFL and Commissioner Goodell. The complaint alleges that the defendants selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job. Here comes the word of the day alert. Word of the day alert. There is no explanation or justification for why Gruden's emails were the only ones made public out of the 650,000 emails collected in the NFL's investigation of Snyder Alert, Snyder Alert of the Washington football team. Or why the emails were held for months before being released in the middle of the Raiders season. Well, what, do you want your job back? That specific performance. Give me my job back. Do you want damages? Well, are you alleging that you are emotionally impacted by having lost your job? Are you alleging loss of reputation? And my reputation was so good, that's gonna be about 25 mil. Or are you alleging that I had to agree to a settlement, that I was forced to agree to a settlement against my will without proper legal representation? Fat chance, slim boy. So maybe there's a third category, and this is what I was thinking about. Kevin Costner and Madeline Stowe. Is that the third category? What the hell is he talking about? Come on, I'm a movie buff. Google it. Kevin Costner, Anthony Quinn, Madeline Stowe. Coca, are you with me or are you against me? Third bucket, revenge. Seems like a silly thing to file a lawsuit over, right? I want revenge. You've harmed me and hurt me. I don't need your money. I don't want your job, but I want you to feel the pain that I feel. I want you to be canceled the way I've been canceled. You could be. Do you know why the NFL owners and the NFL and Roger Goodell are not concerned about this lawsuit? The only thing that would worry an owner when they get sued is having to take the stand. Having to, under oath, acknowledge that they've done, said, written, thought a certain way. Having to let people peek under the curtain in a way that they'd prefer not to allow people to see. When there is one side of a lawsuit that doesn't want a lawsuit, that's when settlements happen. That's when money exchanges hands. But to get the feeling from this lawsuit that when revenge could be your bucket, money is not your goal. So maybe John Gruden isn't going to settle for anything, in which case the next step is you go before a judge and say, excuse me, your honor, I'd really like to get Roger Goodell in a deposition and I'd like to ask him a lot of questions that are gonna be very important. And here is our list, like Bugs Bunny, like Jim Carrey's wallet in 
a specific Jim Carrey movie that could be Dumb and Dumber, it could be Liar Liar, or it could be Bruce Almighty, where he has a big list of things. I would like discovery. That's a legal word, which means I get to get all of your emails. I get to see everything. There are 650,000 emails. I want every one of them because I want to prove that Roger Goodell had malicious intent when he only leaked what I said and not what everyone else said. Now, what did you find fascinating about that last sentence? Leaked. Goodell. Uh-oh. He has to prove that. He has to prove that those emails were leaked to the New York Times and Wall Street Journal by Roger Goodell. And he believes, Gruden does, that if they can look at the email server, that there'll be a smoking email that says, Dear New York Times and Wall Street Journal, I've got some emails I'd like you to see. They're not very flattering for one of our coaches. You may want to print them. It's up to you. Love, Raj. Do you think for one minute that that email exists? When we want to leak something, we don't do it in writing. We do it in person. We'll do a phone call saying, hey, I got something for you. Let's meet. I'm going to show you something, and then I'm going to take them with me. You don't leave it with the media. You don't forward the emails because here's a little message for all of you listeners under 40. Actually, it should be for everyone. Message alert. Delete does not mean delete. There are people who can recover your deleted emails and texts so fast your head will spin. So just be aware of that. The whole WhatsApp disappearing chat encrypted thing. The whole Snapchat, it disappears within a minute. Or there's these, there's these uh, text apps where you can text something and then poof, it's gone as though it never existed. We'll see. Unlikely. I mean, of course, we all hope that's the case, but unlikely. So Roger Goodell is not that dumb. And by the way, Roger Goodell is not the one leaking to the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. You have to have plausible deniability when you're in charge. You have other people do it for you. But Gruden's going to have to prove that that happened. Good luck, Johnny boy. One was Johnny who lived by himself and liked it like that. There's another lawsuit going on. We're going to talk about that after the this story. Lawsuits are uh, lawsuits are funny, right? We talked about it. Money, revenge, or specific performance. When a team leaves a community, what does that community want more than anything in the world? Some would say they want revenge. Most would say they want specific performance. They want their team back or another team. They really don't do it to balance their budget. St. Louis is suing Cranky, Cronky, Officer Krupke, Stan Krupke, the owner of the Los Angeles Rams. We've talked about this lawsuit many times, but something happened over the weekend on this lawsuit that was very interesting to me. Stan Kroenke offered to give St. Louis the 
plaintiffs in the case. Remember, they're suing. The backstory of this is the city of St. Louis and the Sports Authority of St. Louis are suing the Rams for violating the relocation agreement, for violating terms of several provisions of an agreement and moving the team out of St. Louis. They want their team back. Word came out this weekend that Stan offered $100 million to St. Louis. Hard, cold cash. Like, may I have your wire instructions, please? Because I'm going to transfer you $100 million. It's a pandemic. Your budget is not balanced. How would you feel about $100 million? Guess what St. Louis said? Pound sand. I got that expression for Bob Dupay, the former president of Major League Baseball. He would answer his phone. This is, I don't do this, but he would say, Dupay, I know who I'm calling, but that's how he'd answer his phone. He would always say when we're in the middle of our litigations, and we had several litigations, both on the same side and different sides, and he would say, I'm going to tell those people to pound sand. I guess pounding sand is an expression. I don't know what that means, actually. Literally, when you pound sand, all you do is hurt the bones in your, like your hammock bone, that bone that can break when you get hit by a pitch, or you get forearm shivers if you pound sand too hard. And it's not like you're going to get, why was that expression when I was a kid that if you dig deep enough, you get to China? Was that a, was that something that you can't say anymore? I think it's because it's the other side of the world and the world is round. I don't think it was meant in any way to indicate any sort of racial issue. But, you know, you dig as a kid and then you get to water and, oh, if you keep going, you're going to get all the way to China. You got to get through the core of the earth. It never occurred to me before I'd taken earth science and I was digging sand at the beach, which I don't like sand, good for a survivor player, right? That you'd make it all the way down. So Coke is telling me that pounding sand means to go away, do something pointless. Okay. So St. Louis doesn't want, so that actually does not apply. We have to get rid of that. St. Louis did not tell Kroenke to pound sand. He told, they told Kroenke to bugger off. That's a better expression. Did a full succession. Ah, bleep off. I don't know. I was trying to just give you an English accent. Did I do that well? Ah, bleep off. Although everyone in that show succession has an English accent but they do the show in an American accent, which is pretty impressive. How do singers with, with, with major accents sing songs that sound like they have no accents at all? Am I the only one who listens to the Rolling Stones thinking that sounds like they're from New York and then they give an interview and you say, is that possible? So, $100 million. Coca, I, those are detours. Just really, he hates it. Coca, hey, I, Coca, hold on. Can we just tell the audience this? After Friday's show, he listened to the show. He didn't listen to it while we were doing it because he was so angry. So we get on the phone as we do after every show and we review the show. We talk about things that could go better, things that I want, that I need to improve on. So they're called notes, right? Like when you have a rehearsal, when you're doing a play and you get the director's notes or the producer's notes, it's things that, hey, when you were doing this, you should have been doing that. Zag, zig, zigzag, et cetera. So Coca said to me, these detours that you do to start the show, you give your word of the day, 
and people want to know what the word of the day is related to. But you go on these detours for six minutes or seven minutes, and still no one knows what the hell you're going to talk about. So they're going to turn the show off because they're going to lose interest. But you clearly only said the detours apply in the first segment. And justification, I got right to the lawsuit with John Gruden. But the deep, yes, I did, Coca. He's yelling at me. They can't hear you. Whatever. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just saying, get to me at Twitter at David P. Sampson if you agree with Coca or do you agree with me. When I do the detour, do you lose track of where I was going and do you lose interest? Put it on the poll. Do the detours make you forget the destination? And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. $100 million, pound sand, no settlement, no deal. Why would St. Louis turn down $100 million? When you are involved in a lawsuit the way the St. Louis lawsuit is, where the object of the game is not just specific performance, but also revenge, third bucket time, and all you do is offer second bucket, which is money, you're not going to get a deal. The only way to get people from the first and third bucket into the second bucket is by offering so much for the second bucket that they're willing to forget what the first bucket is and what the second bucket is and what the third bucket is. So if they offered them a billion dollars, the people in St. Louis would say, you know what? I really do want a team. There's no doubt. I really want revenge on Kroenke. There's no doubt. But for a billion dollars, I'm happy to forget about Windows 1 and 3. I'm taking door number two. A hundred million dollars is not, I repeat, not enough to forget about buckets one and three. So the way this ends up changing is that Stan, the man, is going to be pressured by Roger Goodell, by the other owners, by his best friend, Jerry Jones, to increase that offer because Stan the man has a lot to lose and so does the NFL if this case actually goes to trial. There will be huge, huge expenses. We talked about the indemnification on a previous episode where Stan has to pay for the NFL to defend itself in this St. Louis lawsuit. Stan has to pay for all the expenses that all the other teams undergo, all the other owners undergo when they have to testify or give depositions. Stan the man's going to say, it's just not worth it. I'm doing well in LA. So I've got a little wait to see for you today. The wait to see is that this case is going to settle. And I've done that as a wait to see. But the number is going to be north of $250 million. That's a big settlement. That's enough to get a community to get right out of the first and third bucket and into the second bucket. Money talks. When we come back, we're going to review. I watched a good number of good movies, but we're going to start with a movie called Red Notice. And there's been the first big signing of the offseason, and I can't wait to tell you about it. We'll be right back. Uh, nothing personal. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson, and I'm living under a rock. I do watch movies every day. When Ryan Reynolds makes a movie, I'm watching it. He has earned that since his Van Wilder days. Doesn't matter what it is. When Netflix releases a movie with The Rock, with Gail Gadot, is it Godot or Gadot? Not sure what it is. And Ryan Reynolds, it's got to be good. It's a movie called Red Notice. Red Notice is what Interpol puts on somebody. Interpol is the worldwide police force, if you will. When you say, if you will, in a subject, in a conversation, that just means that you're not exactly sure. So you just say, if you will, because then that can cover all sorts of inequities in your knowledge sort of synapses and breaks in what you know. So I think Interpol is a worldwide police force, if you will, because that means if they're close to that, I was right. Red notice is when you put a red notice on someone that they are the most wanted of the most wanted. It makes the people from The Rock seem like no big deal. So apparently The Rock and Ryan Reynolds are art thieves, or The Rock is in the FBI, or Wonder Woman is an art thief, or she's in the police, or she's working with Van Wilder. You don't know anything. The writing of Red Notice is so bad. Ryan Reynolds spends the entire script making these quips that are super funny in Deadpool, but in the wrong hands, meaning when the writer's not good enough, they fall totally flat. The Hitman's Bodyguard, quips, hilarious. Deadpool's the number one of all the quips. This one is bound to go down as more Green Lantern than Deadpool. Skip it, but it's free if you have Netflix. I was was not bored. I just wasn't enthralled. Red Notice on Netflix. Coco wants me to tell you whether to watch it or not to watch it. All right, watch it. Breaking news on a random Monday. November 15th, two weeks before the December 1st expiration of the collective bargain agreement in Major League Baseball. There's been a free agent signing, but it's not Carlos Correa and it's not Corey Seager. It's Eduardo Rodriguez. Do you know that name? He's a pitcher. Do you remember watching him? In the postseason by chance? I do. Do you remember when he was offered a qualifying offer for $18.4 million and said he was turning it down because he had 
knowledge of a multi-year contract that he was going to get, which is why he's not taking the one year at 18.4. What's 77 divided by five? Feels like about 15 and a hook, right? Is 18.4 more or less than 15? It's more. But someone gave Eduardo Rodriguez a five-year deal for $77 million. Ready? It's Detroit. Coco, who represents Eduardo Rodriguez? Is there a chance it's Scott Boras? I assume it's not. But can you let me know if it is? There's a tracker that you can go to. You can go online somewhere while we're doing the show. The owner of the Detroit Tigers is a guy named Chris Illich. Chris Illich is the son of Mike Illich. Mike Illich passed away. The Tigers are phenomenally interested in winning a World Series. They wanted to win one so badly when Mike was alive. Now his son wants to win one in his honor. They're a team that brought in A.J. Hinch and took a nice step forward. And I recall telling you that with Miguel Cabrera on that team making 30 million plus, which he is, they're going to have a very hard time winning. But they really played well the second half of the season. They felt like they are in a position to win. So they go in the market and they find pitching because everyone needs pitching. Eduardo Rodriguez, who's repped by Octagon, which is not Scott Boris. What an overpay. My initial reaction to this contract is Eduardo Rodriguez, who is going to be pitching at 29. That's how we, when you look at him, it's going to say in all the articles, Eduardo Rodriguez, 28. The way we look at players is we look at how old they are from April to October. Because that's the season. So he's 28 now, but he turns 29 in April. That means he's a 29-year-old pitcher signing this contract. So don't be fooled by how the media gives you the age or how he himself gives you his age. Well, I agree. That's his age now. We just look at 29. 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. From 29 to 33 years old, he'll be making $15 million a year. Why did he sign this contract? Smart guy. Smart little creature, like in Jurassic Park, when the guy's about to get eaten by the Velociraptors. Smart girl. I don't remember whether it's a guy or girl. These opt-outs are still a thing. Opt-outs are what players get that teams are forced to give when they're desperate. And make no mistake, teams are desperate to have pitching. Opt-outs only work for the player. An opt-out is when a player can say, you know what, I appreciate the $15 million a year contract, but I've had such a good year that I can go back and be a free agent and get more money. And by the way, I already know I've got a deal from this team at that dollar amount. I'm opting out. But if you get hurt and you suck, you don't opt out because you can't get more money from another team, which means you're not worth the money you're getting. Because if you're worth what you're getting, you're worth a dollar more than what you're getting. And for a dollar more, assuming tax equivalency, you're going to opt out. We gave an opt out to Giancarlo Stanton. It was the only opt out I ever gave. It made me crazy to give it. 
I had a good enough relationship with him and with his agent that I was not afraid that he was going to use it. I felt as though the dollar amounts were sufficient that he would have to so far outperform $30 million to opt out. And it's very hard to outperform that. It's very hard to get more than that in the open market. But when you're at $15 million a year as a pitcher and you are a borderline swing pitcher, which Eduardo Rodriguez is, he's a middle of the rotation pitcher, hard stop. That's all he is. Opt out is like gold to you because if by chance you have a great year that is an outlier, you will get some sucker to pay you more money. And what will the Tigers have? Nothing. Nada. If the report is true, which it is, because otherwise it wouldn't be a report. I don't know who's reporting it because it's happening while we're doing the show. And Coco whispered in my ear that it's reported that Eduardo Rodriguez is doing it. I assume if it's one of the baseball insiders like a John Heyman or a Ken Rosenthal, then it's real. Or Jeff Passan, of course, would be the third one. Hey, there you go. Hey, thank you, Coca. I love this earpiece. Heyman, Rosenthal, and Jeff Passan are all reporting it. Guess what? There's nothing to report. It's absolutely true. So before a free agent is officially signed, he's got to go for a physical. Then you've got the doctors and the trainers who are aware of what's happening. <coughs> Those are very good sources for leaks, as you know. MLB gets told about the contract. The commissioner's office is a good source for contractual leaks as well. So why, 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 why would this deal be signed? And does that mean that now the dam has broken? Now all these players are going to start signing before the December 1st lockout. This weekend we read that there is great momentum for Corey Seager and or Carlos Correa to sign before December 1st. Why would players sign prior to a lockout? Do you know that guaranteed contracts, when they are signed in baseball, are guaranteed contracts, and they are not impacted at all by a new collective bargaining agreement, no matter what? No matter what the new CBA says, no matter how long a lockout is or a work stoppage, no matter what the new competitive luxury tax threshold is, no matter whether or not there's a designated hitter, no matter whether or not there's now a pitch clock, whether the, they move the mound back 20 feet, whether they make it seven inning games with two strikes and three balls, whatever happens, you get paid your contract. Assuming you don't get terminated for cause, you get paid your contract. So these players are being told by the agents, hey, listen, if you can possibly sign a deal before December 1 and make a signing bonus part of your contract and make the signing bonus payable upon confirmation of the contract, which happens after it's signed, the commissioner and the union just sign off on the contract, and then that makes it a confirmed contract, you are going to get a big bulk of money. And you can use that money for yourself during the lockout and to cover not getting paid in case there's a work stoppage. 
When we see Eduardo Rodriguez's contract and how it's paid out, I will be fascinated to see the flow of funds, to see whether or not it's backloaded or if it's front-loaded. But the shortstops are different than Eduardo Rodriguez because it's a $77 million commitment from Detroit. He's a mid-range free agent. It's exciting because it's the first big news after Andrew Heaney, that crazy contract in LA that we talked about last week. But Seager and Correa want to get to Lindor. They want to get past Machado. They want to get towards Stanton. They want more than $300 million over a very long decade-like commitment. When you are making a 10-year commitment at a $30 million number, teams cannot make that commitment without knowing the rules of engagement for at least half of the commitment. Because you see, the new collective bargaining agreement is going to be for five years. I can make that a separate way to see, but I won't. Not yet. You don't want to go through this every two years, every year, every three years. There's not going to be, hey, let's just extend the current CBA for a year and we'll kick the can for another year. They're not doing that. And when you finally come to an agreement, you want it to be long-term. So five years, teams say, I better know what I'm doing. And players are not going to be worried because Seager and Correa are young guys, even younger than Eduardo. And if there's a work stoppage and all of the 2022 season is gone, these guys are still going to be Eduardo Rodriguez's age. I think Correa and Seager are in the 27-year-old range. So they're not panicked. It's not like they're losing their career. They've also been informed by their agents that it's unlikely there'll be a work stoppage where games will be missed, but there will be a lockout. And it's also unlikely that Correa or Seager have any sort of current financial issues where they need money up front, they need money to cover them during the possibility of a work stoppage where they wouldn't get a paycheck for their coming year. So they're not going to go back and sacrifice what they want because of the December 1st deadline. So when you've got a situation where both the team and the player do not feel an urge to do something immediately, they don't want to be the first team to give in to these shortstop demands. They don't want to be the first shortstop to sign because they each think they're the best that are waiting for the other one to sign. I'm not going to sign and then worry that Trevor Story is going to get more than I. The union has in their mind a slotting of these shortstops. The union gets involved in which free agents sign when. Believe me, they do. The commissioner's office gets involved. Believe me, they do. And there is no way, in my opinion, that these shortstops will sign early. And when I say early, it's only early because there's a lockout coming. We're in the offseason. This would be totally legitimate, wouldn't it? So I think all of the smoke that you're seeing about shortstops rushing to sign or other players rushing to sign, it's only going to be a bad deal for the team if anybody rushes to sign before a lockout. Believe me. And we got our first one, really our second one, although I can't say $8.5 million to Andrew Heaney is a bad deal for the Dodgers. It's just a bad deal. $15 million a year for five years for Eduardo Rodriguez? It's a little heavy in my mind. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had a two-in-one weekend, followed by last weekend was one and two. The weekend before was three and oh. That means we are six and three over our last three weekends. 
That's not terrible. That's We're making money. Friday night was the easiest one. Please tell me you took the Hornets. Thank you. They were getting a point versus the Knicks, and they beat the Knicks outright Friday night. Saturday was our loss, and it pissed me off. Alabama won 59-3. I took the 51 points with New Mexico because how do you not? It's 51 points. But I guess the people who make these lines, they know what they're doing. Alabama covered. That'll do it. By the way, New Mexico scored first in that game, so I had the feeling that I was now getting 54 points, which meant this is a slam dunk. But Alabama scored 59 unanswered. And then yesterday, if you bet the NFL and you didn't bet the Bills, then stop betting the NFL. I can't say a value added to you with that pick of the day because it was the easiest pick of all time. The Buffalo Bills losing to the Jaguars and the Jets in back-to-back weeks, it was an impossibility. The Bills crushed the Jets, absolutely crushed. All right, I've got a pick today. It's a Monday night game. It's an exciting game. It's the Cronkies against the Garoppolos. Rams are going to San Francisco. The Rams are giving three and a half points to the Niners, but the Niners have won four straight in this series. But the Rams are undefeated. Did you know that? On the road. So, Rams minus three and a half. They're a better team. They will stay undefeated. We're given the three and a half. Tonight, we've got rookie of the year. This is the week of announcements in Major League Baseball. Get ready. Rookie of the year is coming out. Trevor Rogers of the Marlins. Will he win rookie of the year in the National League? He had a very good first half. We talked to you about rookie of the year last week. It's fun to win rookie of the year. You get to do a, a giveaway the next year. You get to celebrate it. You get to put it on your resume as a president or GM. I developed four rookies of the year or whatever. But then he had to take a leave from the Marlins. When he came back, he wasn't as good. Trevor Rogers is with Dylan Carlson, the Cardinals outfielder. If you haven't watched the Cardinals, you know that name, Dylan Carlson. Neither of them will win, though. My pick for Rookie of the Year in the National League is the leadoff hitter for the fantastic Cincinnati Reds. Same as Jonathan India. He basically batted leadoff the whole season, played second base, above average. He's got all five tools. He wins Rookie of the Year. What about the American League where it's much tighter? You've got two Devil Rays. Two Rays, cut that, 14. Can you even cut it with one minute left? Wander Franco, Randy Arazarena, two of the Rays, are going against the pitcher you watched in the World Series, Luis Garcia, that pitcher who rocked the cradle when he's pitching. How could Randy Arazarena be a rookie? We told you how, what the rules are. He is a rookie. He played a full season after being the postseason star in 2020. This is a close vote. But to me, it is a slam dunk. You've got Randy Arazarena winning Rookie of the Year in the American League. Jonathan India winning Rookie of the Year in the National League. Those are my picks along with the Rams minus three and a half. And that's it for today. We'll revisit it all tomorrow. Thanks for being here. It's just business. This is nothing personal. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.